Army National Guard Sergeant John Israelson served two tours, one in Iraq, one in Afghanistan. John, help us understand here how this soldier involved in Sunday's incident was able to simply walk off his base in Afghanistan. How easy is that? From my experience where I was located in eastern Afghanistan, I don't see how that could have been possible uh, simply because there is 360-degree perimeter security watching at all times. But, you know, if if there's a will, there's a way. There are certain holes within the wire. Uh, He may have coordinated with somebody else. But for me, it was an anomaly and a tragedy. So I don't know how it happened, but I'm sure it's possible on other bases. And when you say the wire, you're talking about the perimeter of the base. Isn't that perimeter usually manned by other soldiers or even military police? Yeah, there are other soldiers on every guard tower with optics that allow them to see far away. But there's also a very weak spot, in my opinion, which was the firing range, where we would zero our weapons in. A lot of the time, some of that wire has been shot out, so there's holes in it. And it, it was a security risk for us because it also allowed enemy personnel to enter our base. And that did happen on one occasion. And what about the enemy, the, the Taliban? Are they watching as uh, U.S. military walk on and off the base? I mean, is that also a danger? That is also a danger. I, I've never seen personally a soldier walk physically off of a base. It's always within a vehicle, an up-armored vehicle, and they, they know exactly where our entry control point is. But they, they're also very incapable of attacking at that point because we have the most security at the front of that fob. At the beginning where you come in and out, that's where the security really is focused on. Now, this soldier was a staff sergeant. What would a staff sergeant's relationship be uh, typically with the village? The, the staff sergeant is going to be on the ground. In, in my experience, at least in, in my job function, they would go out and they would interact with the locals. Um, they would delegate authority to who was primarily the language guy or who was the radio guy. So he would coordinate, and there would be no specific job function for a staff sergeant other than to delegate authority as to where he wants to go. In my experience, both of my staff sergeants were on the ground on the flanks of our convoy securing um, the actual ground itself for command wires and pole string explosive devices. You know, we hear a lot about the desire to win hearts and minds uh, among the the local Afghans. Uh, Is there a desire amongst U.S. military to take the hearts and minds approach to its next logical step to, to mingle with the locals, or is there a natural suspicion of anything on the other side of the wire. It's a flip of the coin with the personality of a soldier. Uh, myself, I loved mingling with the locals. I loved trying to learn Pashtu. Other soldiers in my same position had no desire to speak to the locals, to shake their hands, but there is a matter of incorporating the hearts and minds with talking to them, with you know playing games with the kids, making them paper airplanes. And that, for me, was the most memorable part of my deployment. But there are soldiers who... I use the word Islamophobic, who have no desire, whether it's they've lost a buddy and they blame that village, they don't want to look at somebody, or they just naturally have that propensity in their personality for rage and hatred. But it's really hit and miss. I would say 50-50. Some guys love the mission. Some guys don't believe in that mission. And, of course, uh, with uh, still little information uh, coming in from uh, this one episode, hard to say what actually motivated uh, this one staff sergeant. Um, It does seem, though, that one of the biggest problems for, uh, at least on the military side, Afghans in in their Afghan National Army and and American soldiers, is that after more than a decade, there doesn't seem to be a lot of trust. Why do you think uh, Afghan military and American military still can't trust each other? I think there's such a different... There's so many different customs and courtesies, showing the bottom of your feet. 
something that we do flagrantly in America. There's no offense behind that. Um, but an Afghan soldier may not interpret our ignorance of that custom uh, to an extremely disrespectful gesture. And explain the um, showing the bottoms of your feet. What, what is that a tradition? Where is that a tradition? Um, my understanding is within Muslim culture, it is disrespectful to show the soles of your feet to anybody, and it, and it looks intentional when you're propping them up on a chair. So that, that would be something that would become an issue. Also, in my opinion, more of a tactile culture. They're more touchy. The men are willing to you know, hold pinky fingers and walk down the street. And I don't look at that as a bad thing, but some soldiers feel uncomfortable. So when they're being touched by the Afghan soldiers, they may push them back or say something disrespectful. And we had a great working relationship. We had six attachments from the Afghan National Army who were a part of our family. They, they were goofy in their own way. They had their own nicknames. And they, they would fight just as hard as us. They would push the ground just as hard, maybe not as skilled, but we trusted their instinct more than ours. They've lived there. They know what to look for. So we nurtured that relationship because our command made sure that we did not disrespect them. And we never had the problem, but I can see that falling through the cracks, and I can see some soldiers really offending the Afghans, disrespecting Islam, and, and having a, an attack ensue because of that. Uh, you, can, you can certainly see the room for miscommunication. Sergeant Israelson, uh, we, we got your name because we solicited uh, reactions to this, uh, the, this tragedy from our online community of veterans. Uh, I, I'm just wondering why you did write in. Why is this an important issue for you? Oh, I wouldn't say it helps bring closure, but it helps allow my story to go out and to hear other veterans' stories of what it is like to come home. Because that was, from what I understood, the spotlight. What's it like to return home? And some guys have really struggled, and I don't feel like I really have. And I think that's because I didn't nurture any hatred. I didn't harbor any bad feelings about what happened. And I came back and said, look, I'm, I'm physically in the United States, and I'm mentally going to stay here. There's no reason for me to live in Afghanistan in my mind, meanwhile just being a drone here in the States. And I wanted to let some of the population know that there are guys that return and they're valuable members without being held up on their deployment. And there are soldiers who get held up. And, and those are the ones that need help. Sergeant John Israelson, thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you very much, Marco. Like Sergeant Israelson, you can join our online community of veterans and their families and share your stories. Text the word RETURN to 69866 on your cell phone, and we'll let you know how to take part. It'll cost no more than a regular text message. That's the word RETURN to 69866, or go to the slash return. And listen in this Friday. We're planning a special program on homecoming veterans.